Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Okay, so tomorrow is Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Finals between the Boston Bruins and the St. Louis Blues. I won't take, uh, take... That one will be, sorry, in St. Louis. So, you know, pretty big game three here. The Blues obviously took home ice from the Bruins. You can easily do that if you're the road team in some of these series. You know, it's easier said than done, but you you tie it at 1-1. All of a sudden, you have the upper hand in a way. I still think the Bruins will win the series. I thought the Blues would... Well, that's a good question because now I don't expect the Bruins to go down two to one like that. Two games in a row, I just don't see it. So my prediction was you win game one, you blow them out five to one in game two, and then game three they answer. Uh you just not you haven't played well in these um game three situations, one and two this playoffs, you're only winning against the hurricanes. So that's the point I'm trying to get at is I didn't expect them to lose game two. So now if they lost game two, do I expect them to win game three? And my answer is I expect them to win every game. Well, you know what I mean. Uh, but listen, I, I don't know if it does or not. You know, I expect them to lose this game four to two with an empty net goal uh, for the Blues. I think that's, yeah. So... Does it affect my prediction? I want to say yes, because I just don't see the Bruins going down 2-1 two to, two to one in the series. But my prediction is my prediction. I don't know if because you just lost game two. You know, that's like me saying if they won game two, I would have predicted them to lose game three. But if they lost game two, I predicted them to win game three. That's just weird. Uh, I do think that with the Raptors-Warriors series. I thought whoever won game one, the opposite was going to win game two. But th- it's weird to word it, but I think it does – I just can't see them losing two games in a row of this Blues team. Now, they very well could. All, uh, Oscar Sundquist uh, will be suspended for this game and the hit on Matt Grizzlick, which I think does help you. Um, I think he played He played some sort of um, factor. He's a very physical center, from what I've seen at least. I don't know much about him. I won't lie. I don't watch un- Oscar Sundquist play for the Blues very often. I'm not going to sit here and lie, but... He brought physicality, uh, the hit on Grizzly. He gets in the penalty box a lot, so that's something that I kind of looked at where I kind of hoped he plays because he always gets in the penalty box uh, so far every game in this series. But he does bring a spark to that team. He gives them physicality, and he's played well in these playoffs. Uh, all their centers really have. Um, like, their 
th- you know, second, third, and fourth line centers. You have Sunquist, Bozak, and um, who's the third one? Let me let me pull it up because I had it. I had it. And um, listen, the Blues. Okay, sorry. I just saw this. The Blues have not decided who Sunquist re- uh, replacement is. So I just wanted to throw that out there. But um, yeah, I so let me pull up their third line center. I don't know why I don't remember because all day today, like I was, I some people asked me questions like on it, and I said, well, there's three centers, and I could name the three right off the top of my head because I remember from the game. But now I just don't. I don't remember, so I gotta pull this up because sometimes my memory, whatever. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, who has four assists in the past three games, three against that Sharks in that game six. But anyway, I, you know they don't play a huge, huge factor, but they've done stuff, and their top end talent has been better than yours so far uh, in these playoffs, especially offensively. Their first line has outplayed you by a lot. They're scoring goals. Your first line isn't. Um, what do they need to do differently that they didn't game two? I kind of stressed this last episode, but they need to get more pucks on net. They need to control the puck. You need to control the puck over the Blues. You need to have more puck time than the Blues, and you need to keep up with their physicality. I don't expect you to be more physical than the Blues, but if you can keep up with it and it's pretty close, I'm happy. Uh, but, yeah, pucks on net, uh, you know, move the puck around and just keep cycling the puck, kind of what the Blues did, but keep cycling the puck and, you know, you know puck come in. in. It's going to be, be a big, big thing. thing. Uh, you need to score more power, power plays as well. You have not been good. You always get one power play goal in, like, your five attempts. What are they, two for ten this series with one for five each game? You need to be better than one for five. I'm sorry. One for five isn't going to cut it, and you've missed opportunities. And, you know, last to say you had 23 shots in game two and had five power plays. Five. I'm pretty sure that was the number. Five power plays. And that's just from what I remember off the top of my head. But they had 50 hits. 50 hits. You had 31. You were one for five in power plays. Only had 23 shots. Five power plays. You have to hit on those opportunities. You were one of the best power play teams in hockey, if not the best. And you, you're not. It's not. You're not executing. Their penalty kill has been solid, but you need to take advantage of those. I'm sorry. One for five is not going to cut it. I need at least the two for five clip, uh, and that I think that would be big. I don't. You're not going to get five power plays every single game this series that would be great and you just have not taken advantage of it so far so I that's kind of what I'm looking for I don't want to dive too in depth because I already said this last episode so I want to repeat myself I had a little more I wanted to dig into today but that's kind of my little preview I know the game's tomorrow so usually I'd kind of do a preview for tomorrow but I figured this is coming out late Friday night so most of you will listen Saturday anyway so I figured I'd just do it today uh, because tomorrow I'm hoping I can do off-season breakdowns. You know how I said I was going to do off-season breakdowns for some NBA teams? Well, I'm hoping to do a few of those tomorrow, uh, fingers crossed. So now we are going to get to the uh, Raptors versus Warriors game one yesterday. All right, so last night, though, Raptors winning 118-109, to Taking home game one in Toronto. Uh, obviously, if you know me, I'm just a strong believer that the Warriors are going to win. And if you're saying, Aiden, you've been such a strong believer, it'll be a little embarrassing if the Raptors are going to win because I'm saying, you know, it's going to be the Warriors. It's going to be the Warriors. And I'm not panicking because going into it, yesterday I made my prediction and I said, the Raptors, I thought we're going to lose game one, win game two, but it could really be vice versa. I said, it's going to split. One of them's going to win the first game, one of them's going to win the second. 
no team's going to go up 2-0 in these first two games. That was uh, my prediction, at least. That's just what I thought. Even if they don't win game two, they're going to win game one. And vice versa, I expect the Warriors to win this game too. Uh, the my prediction for last night's game was the Warriors were going to win one hundred fourteen to one hundred ten. Here's my description: I expect a tight battle in Game One. The Raptors may come out a little sharper, but the Warriors have been here before and know how to prepare. And I think they steal one down the stretch as the two teams go back and forth, getting buckets late in the fourth. I think Leonard has a very good game with a very good clean game from Gasol, but the Dubs prevail. So in these, as the games go down, I start to explain a little more like player by player kind of in a way this game I just didn't I don't know why as I went farther down the list I got more in depth it's kind of weird but again Gasol had a very clean game and Leonard uh wasn't great but he wasn't bad either I say he had a very good game not as good as you know Kawhi Leonard what we've seen before we still had a solid game Gasol had a very very clean game as well underrated game 20.7 rebounds and an assist in 30 minutes um he definitely contributed, especially in that first half. And, you know, what did the Raptors do? Now, I think the Raptors, again, they're, they were a team that they go on big. They're a big momentum team. The team just all catches fire at once. And you saw last night they go on that, like, 10-1 to 1 run within, like, two minutes late, you know, in the mid-fourth quarter, you know, the eight-minute mark or so, they go on that big run. And this team just goes on runs late in games and can just take over games. Kawhi can take over games. And Kawhi, you know how I said yesterday with the Bruins that, that la- those third and fourth lines, the grit and grind guys, and they're the spark, and you hope that they're the spark and the top lines kind of catch the fire, the spark and catch fire. That's the Raptors team is Kawhi. I, I don't, don't want to call spark as easy as you, you know what I mean. Once he starts going or one player goes, all of a sudden they're the spark, the whole rest of the team catches fire. And they're so fun to watch. And, again, listen, I still have the Warriors. Maybe in seven games rather than six, but still, I still have the Warriors. I'm not panicking. If they lose the second game, we can start talking. But in this game, for the Warriors, what went wrong? Well, first of all, the defense by Toronto was great. Fred Van Fleet really stepped up. you had some, you know, Ibaka had a few blocks there. They had some steals, but they really, you know, um, you had a total of turnovers. They, you had 16 turnovers, okay? You had 16 turnovers. They had 10. 10 is around the average, okay? So your defense was there. 118 points. You only 109 is around the average, a little over, I'd say, the average point. But you couldn't keep take care of the ball. You had 16 turnovers. You couldn't take care of the ball. And they forced you away from the three-point line. You took 31 threes. I know 31's a lot. But you went 12 for 31. Now, overall, that's not bad. They outshot you from the three-point line. They were 13 for 33, which is more efficient, and they hit one more three than you. It was a battle at the three-point line. I know 31 points is a lot, but at times, the Raptors made it their focal point to keep them away from the three-point line. They did so successfully, and I think that was a big reason they won, was because just at times, they kept them away from the three-point line when they started to catch fire uh, from three. Clay and Steph, uh, in specific, uh, who I'm talking about, but... That, that's, I think, what the thing is. They didn't do it the whole game, but they did it when they needed to. And that was a huge part. You, you only won by nine points. If you don't do that and all of a sudden they catch fire, they take the momentum, that could have, you know, been bad. Uh, Draymond had that cheap triple-double, 10 rebounds, 10 points, 10 assists. 
triple double to triple double, I guess. But yeah, he's just a very underrated passer. Uh, Iguodala was underrated in this game: six rebounds, six point seven assists. That's just a nice little stat line. Twenty nine uh, minutes. He didn't do a whole lot of scoring. Six rebounds, but you know he's passing the ball very well. And I, I thought just whenever he touched the ball, something good happened last night. Just my opinion. Um, yeah, Jordan Bell, I, I expected a little more from him starting-wise. You know, he started uh, 12 minutes, four, two points, three rebounds, one assist. I expected a little more. I used more minutes even in general. But whatever, Steph Curry, 40 minutes, 34 points, five boards, five assists. He played very well last night, and at times Van Fleet really suffocated Curry, and I don't – I think Curry played – you know, if I watched that game and I wouldn't have thought Curry really scored that many points. It just didn't feel like it. I felt like he had a solid game, not a 30-point game. I felt like a few of those points were, like, made up. But it wasn't. He still played a very good game. just wasn't enough. And Klay Thompson had a great game, I thought, last night. 21 points, 5 boards, 1 assist. He was just lights out, I thought. He was hitting reverse layups, hit many threes, long twos, mid-range. I mean, he was just hitting everything in. He was just mesmerizing to watch shooting the basketball. I really enjoyed uh, Clay Thompson last night. But uh, another guy, really, no one else really from the Warriors bench really contributed early. The bench had like 15 of the 34 points. But DeMarcus Cousins, only eight minutes, scored three points, two assists. Came off the bench, didn't really play much. Is this, I don't see it as concerning. I expected him to play around 20 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes last night. Kind of like when he, uh, his return against the Clippers a while back, around that, um, where he'd come back in 15 to 20 minutes, but only eight minutes. So clearly he's not feeling 100%. He didn't even grab a rebound in those eight minutes. Clearly he's still a little banged up. Clearly the Warriors want to keep his minutes low. And clearly I think Steve Kerr thinks this team you know, DeMarcus Cousins is a little bit of a liability for them, especially defensively. I think if I think if DeMarcus Cousins isn't a liability, he plays around 12 to 15 minutes. Maybe I was overhyping how quickly he could come back, but I still think he plays more. I think Steve Kerr is a little, you know, inconfident in him, if you will. He doesn't really have the confidence that DeMarcus Cousins can really help this team. He thinks he kind of hurts him a little more than he helps, and I think that's why he came off the bench and only played eight minutes. So I think Steve Kerr's trying to stay away from DeMarcus Cousins. It's going to be hard, especially after this loss. Now, it brings up the question, Do the Warriors, does this prove that the Warriors need KD to win? No, it's one game. You lost one game by nine points. DeMarcus Cousins was just coming back. You know, all of this. And you're probably sitting there saying, Aiden, you know, it is it's an NBA Finals game. You just lost to the Raptors. I get it all. I get it. And you expect the Raptors to win one of these first two games. I think everyone did. I don't, I don't think this that that anything. When they're down 2-0, they're down 3-0, talk to me. Maybe we'll talk, but KD's expected to come back around like game four or five, middle of the series. I expected game three, uh, but that was probably a little too early. But again, it is what it is, just a prediction. But KD, I, I don't think this proves that they don't. They Here's the thing with the Warriors they don't need KD to win, but he doesn't hurt them. He helps. He helps, but they still don't need him to win. They're still a championship contending team without him. Uh, he doesn't hurt them. That's the only thing. They can still win without him, but when he comes back, he's like a luxury. He's just another weapon. He makes him even more dangerous. But they're still uh, probably the favorite in this series without him. So that's that's just my little take on that. I mean, there's not a lot to say there. I think most people agree that one game uh, doesn't define 
whether or not they need uh, Kevin Durant. Now, on the Raptors side of things, yet uh, you know Leonard played a solid game. Siakam had it was probably Siakam was a player of the game. My prediction for the player of the game was Steph Curry, thirty-one points, four rebounds, five assists, and steals. My projected stat line. He actually scored right around that stat line, which is crazy. But they lost, so he wasn't player of the game. But if he, if the Raptors won, I predicted Kawhi for basically all the games. But Pascal Siakam stepped up. Excuse me, and scored 32 points, eight rebounds, five assists, solid defensive efforts as well. Uh, he used the player of the game last night, not afraid to admit it. Uh, Marcus Saul played in that clean game that I expected. You saw Danny Green hit a few threes. I thought he had a solid game. Uh, Van Fleet was awesome, 15 points, had some tough finishes at the rack, only two assists, one rebound, but he played suffocating defense as well. So he's great defensively and offensively, really stepped up big off the bench. Uh, Baca didn't do too much offensively, only five points, but he had a, a block or two in that game, and I don't think he played a huge role, Seven, only 17 minutes. I want to see Serge Ibaka play more. That's just me. I think he could really help you out, especially during the defensive end, but Maybe I, this is just me, but in my opinion, he deserves more than 17 minutes. Uh, and then there's Kyle Lowry. Lowry didn't have a you know big game last night. 36 minutes, he scored seven points. He had that cheap three at the end of the game, like a long three. And it was a long three, good shot, but really four points because those seven, those last three didn't mean anything. Nine assists, six rebounds. He was an X Factor last night, and he helped the Raptors. He didn't score the ball last night very well. He wasn't scoring. Lowry was not scoring the ball. He played good defense, and he was moving the ball and making plays. And, yeah, he didn't have the points that you'd hope. But, you know, I'm not just saying because he grabbed rebounds that pitched in as well, but he played good defense, and he was a huge playmaker for them, really moving the ball very well and seeing open teammates and creating plays. So, if Lowry, if you say Lowry had a bad game last night, maybe scoring. But other than that, overall, I thought he had a good game last night. So you can't just look based off selling nine assists. I mean, you saw it. He was making plays out there, making very good passes. So then when it comes down, the one last thing I want to get to is Draymond Green versus Pascal Siakam. Now, I've heard this talk. You know, this matchup is going to be very intriguing. What to expect? Expect it to go back and forth. There are going to be some games where Draymond is much better than Pascal, and there are going to be some games where it's, you know, tight around a tie, and then there are going to be some games like this one where Pascal's better than Draymond. Again, Draymond still played a pretty good game at a triple-double, 10-10-10, but Pascal is clearly better, uh, despite not having a triple-double like Draymond, but still, he was better. And just expect this matchup to go back and forth, back and forth. It's going to switch game to game, and some games it might be game two and three, Draymond's better, and then game four, you know, Pascal's better. He could really go anyway. It's just going to kind of you know, one here, the next game is going to keep changing between Draymond and Pascal. It's going to be an intriguing matchup because whoever plays better in that matchup will be huge. And also what uh, the thing with the Raptors is besides Kawhi, the rest of those players are very inconsistent, but that makes them dangerous because they have so many weapons. You don't know which one's going to come out and play really well and which one's not. And it's hard to game plan for all those guys because all of a sudden you game plan, yes, we shut down Pascal now in game two, but then all of a sudden Lowry has a big game and, you forgot about Van Fleet. It's just hard to game plan for them, and that inconsistency is tough because maybe you game plan for a guy like, yeah, uh, let's say you game plan for, let's just say, Pascal Siakam. But Siakam goes out and drops an egg anyway. He doesn't even play that good uh, anyway. You know, maybe Draymond locks him down anyway. I keep saying anyway, but they're so hard to game plan. You don't know who their second or third best player is going to be on a night-to-night basis for – 
you know, it could be Marcus Saul could be the second best player, even Fred Van Fleet at times or the third best player. You don't know what that combination is going to be. Usually Kawhi will always be their first best player, if not second. But the rest is so unpredictable. You know their biggest weapon is going to be Kawhi on a nightly basis. But who's second? Who's third? Who's fourth? Who's fifth? They get down to sixth. Their sixth best player may have a solid night. Like, let me look at it. I mean, their sixth best player last night, you have Pascal Kawhi. Yeah, maybe he's a Kyle Lowry or Danny Still had a good game. Again, these things should change on a nightly basis. They're so hard to game plan for. And I think that's going to make the Toronto Raptors very dangerous. So... I think that's the big X factor, and they proved that again uh, last night. You just don't know what to expect from the rest of the crew behind Kawhi. So that's kind of uh, the game one uh, reaction, if you will. Looking back at my predictions a little, we'll obviously get into game two when that occurs. Uh, but now we are going to go over the whole Red Sox versus Indian series, so let's get to that. Now, when I say Red Sox versus Indians, I mean that whole series and the Red Sox game, uh, which is today, Friday night game against the Yankees, because currently when I'm recording this, uh, the Red Sox game just ended. So we're just going to get to those four games. I'm not really going to go in depth on the Indian series, like game by game, but I'm just going to go the overview, and then we'll go a little more in depth with the Yankees, just because that's a game that you probably really haven't heard too much about, but I'm sure you've already heard the whole spiel with the uh, Indians. So I going into this kind of, if you will, Astros, then the Indians, then Yankees stretch. Uh, I thought we were really going to see the Red Sox true colors. And at the time, you're five and a half games out of uh, first place. And I said, I would be so happy if you were just then, I think it was three games within first place, three and a half games. Like, you got two games within uh, first. You were currently eight and a half games out of first place. I said, I'd be so happy if you could actually get closer to first than farther because that means you'd get close to the first with this t- very tough schedule. But you're four and six in your last ten. Here's how this, this has gone so far. You lose three to four to the Astros. You lose three to four again to the Astros. You win four to one. You beat the Indians 12 to 5, beat them seven, uh, lose 7 to 5, lose 14 to 9 against the Indians. And then you lose to the Yankees 4 to 1. So you are currently, let me do the math. Pretty easy math here. 2 and 5 in this seven game uh, stretch, if you will. The Astros series wasn't horrible. Uh, it wasn't horrible in the sense that. You played two very good baseball games that you just lost three to four. It was good baseball against probably the best team in the MLB, and you came pretty close. And then you won four to one. So you were one and two against the best team in baseball, and those two losses were, I don't want to say solid losses, but they were. There's such thing as solid losses. That was one where you kind of blew some of them, but you played well. And overall, the Astros series, again, you had a losing record, but I wasn't too upset with it. One and two against the best team in baseball. Those two losses weren't too bad. The one was a good one, too, against Verlander versus Rodriguez. Then the Indian series was really disappointing. You came out and you won. And I think at that point, Red Sox fans said, yes. Came close the first two games against the Astros. We win. Now we're winning against the Indians. I think people expected the Red Sox to win two or three against the Indians. So we beat them 12 to five. And then we lose seven to five. And people are like, you know, maybe the rain got the best of them. But I think Wednesday was a pretty big game to win. You had to win two or three against the Indians and kind of keep things rolling. And then you lost again, 14-9. to nine. Um, That was just a 
slug. There was just the hits after hits. Red Sox had 14 hits, nine runs, and lost. Ryan Weber started, which is horrible. Josh Taylor came in, you know, let up a run. It wasn't great. Colton Brewer came in, couldn't get the job done. Hector Velasquez was horrible in his two innings, and then Heath Hembry came in and was all right. Two hits uh, in, in an inning, but didn't let up any runs. So, again, that that was a bit of a game where it was all in the pitching. You're hitting, and then this game was about your hitting not being there. The Yankees versus Red Sox game today. So, Chris Sale is on the mound versus J.A. Happ. And Chris Sale... Starts the game off, solid first inning. Second inning lets up that run. And then, uh, well, you, sorry, you scored the run. I meant J.A. Happ let up the run. And he had a solid first inning. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean Chris Sale. And overall, it looked like a great start for Chris Sale's first two innings. Like, all right, yep, he's still in his groove. You're up one nothing. Solid game so far. Third inning. Three runs for the Yankees. And at that point, we were like, all right, you know what? We jumped the gun too early. Maybe that was just me. Now you're down 3-1 to one in the third inning. Chris Sale in the mound. Fourth inning, both teams go scoreless. Fifth inning, then, they score a run, and all of a sudden, 4-1. to one. And Chris Sale overall in today, six innings pitched, seven hits, four earned runs, one walk, ten strikeouts. Chris Sale mowed him down in the sense of the strikeouts, ten strikeouts. But Chris Sale also let up... Uh, seven hits, eight total base runners, and four earned runs on only six innings. Did Chris Sale pitch amazing? No. I think the strikeouts make you feel a little like, oh, yeah, it's the Yankees and they're a hot team, but I expect a little better from Chris Sale. Just a little. Uh, you know, he's your ace. And I know he's still coming off from that injury, but Chris Sale, you know, I can't expect all these great starts every time. Uh, and then you had the one-two punch of Ryan Brazier and Josh Taylor, which is actually pretty good. Uh, Brazier let up a walk. Taylor uh, a hit. Both of them pitched an inning. Did fine. Uh, but they the Yankees really wanted the game tonight. You know, the, yesterday's game's postponed. The Yankees come in. It's And the Yankees come in and at Yankee Stadium, they know. What's today's game at Yankee Stadium? Listen, there's something. Yeah, let me let me check let me check that. Um, see, I um apparently it, it was I forget already. Um, but yeah, it, I'm pretty sure it was. I don't know why I thought um it was in London because I know they have a London series. I just wasn't sure if it was this, this one. I don't know how I I watched the game and I already forgot. <laughs> Okay, it just shows I was just I was working on the um after the game kind of in the middle too. I wasn't really paying attention at the end because I was working on the um uh, off season breakdowns for like the Hawks. I think I started not with the Hawks. Did I start with the yeah with the Hawks? I'm going with alphabetical order is what I'm going by. So A for Atlanta, yeah. So that's what I was doing. So I wasn't really paying attention. I'm pretty sure it was in uh, Yankee Stadium, though. I heard something about a London series. So I, I'm just all messed up. It's late right now. So j- just pardon that. Uh, that, was, that was just a bad minute. Sorry there. Uh, but where was I at? Oh, yeah. So overall, you knew they wanted that game. J.A. Happ comes in, starts five innings, three hits, one earned run, five strikeouts, two walks. He was solid. Only went five innings, but he was solid. 
But you knew they really went on the run, uh, won that game. One inning for Adam uh, Ottavino, Tommy Conley, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Zach Britton, and Araldus Chapman. Britton and Chapman are the well-known names, but Ottavino and Conley have actually been kind of hidden gems for them in a way. Uh, Ottavino has been has a 1.37 ERA in 26.1 innings. He's a 33-year-old pitcher. Uh, and then you have Tommy, uh, pronounce, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Tommy Conley. Okay, he's 29 years old. Again, I don't know a whole lot about him, but he's pitched 22 innings in 1.64 ERA. Because when I looked at it, I was just like, oh. Because I looked at the stats on TV, he was like, oh, he has good stats. He has good stats, too. And then they bring in Britton and Chapman. I don't need the stats there. Their ERA is actually higher than Ottavino and Conley. But, uh, no, they wanted that game all right. They came in with four very good relievers and absolutely mowed you down. Ottavino lets up one hit. Conley, one hit. One walk for Britton and Chapman mowed you down. And Chapman's a very good reliever, maybe the best in the game. Who knows? But the Red Sox have been able to get to him, so I thought maybe they could get muster something out of that just because, you know, four different relievers, you got to get to one of them. Chapman seemed like it, despite how good he is in general, the Red Sox have been able to get to him. So you are 2-5 and five on this stretch. You have currently one. You have two games left, um, time to be determined for that one that got postponed, so I'm still not sure when that will happen. So two games, possibly three. And let me tell you, they're going to be big games. At max, you can lose one of the next three. Three. If you, you know, one of the next two. If you have two games, maybe one. But, again, you have to catch up. Again, it's it's tomorrow it'll be June. We're closing in on the end of May right here. Only about an hour and 20 minutes. I'm Currently, it's 1039. Uh, and so it's about an hour, 21 minutes before June starts. June will be starting, and you will be eight and a half games behind the eight. And you will be seven games behind the Rays. The Rays are starting to catch fire again too. Eight and two in their last ten. Yankees eight and two in their last ten. I'm not worried about the Blue Jays and the Orioles. I I don't. You know how I keep saying I keep the slightest eye on the Blue Jays. I'm done with them now. You know you can forget about the Blue Jays and the Orioles. You just have to put your full focus on the Rays, Yankees, and we can start worrying about some of those other wild card teams when it comes to it. Have your eyes set on the prize. Um, this Red Sox team. They just need to get it together. They need to string together runs and hits. Uh, runs and hits, jeez. Runs and good pitching all together. It needs to come around full circle. I just don't see it. Some of these games, you know, like the Indians, you score nine runs, get 14 hits, but let up 18 and 18 hits and 14 runs. You have 14 hits and nine runs. Great offensive game, but your pitching and bullpen was horrible. Or we come into a game and see solid hitting. Your starting pitching got the job done. He came in, you know, Brandon Workman maybe comes in for the sixth or seventh inning, does a good job. And then, you know, a Matt Barnes comes in and blows it or someone. Again, Matt Barnes, there's been too much pressure on him. Matt Barnes is more of an eighth inning guy. He's more of a setup guy. He sets up that closer for a good, nice thing. They've relied on Matt Barnes to close out some of these games way too much. Matt Barnes is not that type of guy. He's the only one they really trust. I feel. And I don't blame them. I mean, Workman, Walden, Hembury hasn't even been that bad either. They've played all right, but you can't really trust them just yet.
Uh, Barnes has been here, and even Barnes, I'm not even sure how much I trust him, but I guess the most out of the bunch uh, if I'm the Red Sox. But, again, we'll see what happens with the Red Sox. I think a, a big a couple games here for them uh, coming up. And then they have after this Yankee series. Just t- I know it's a tough schedule, but you should be better than 2-5. and five. And they've came close, some of these games. And then you get the Royals. The Royals should absolutely be a chance for you to just – kind of take a little bit of a deep breath and catch up in the standings. I kind of want to sweep against the Royals, to be honest, because you have to buckle down at the Royals here and say, you know what? We've been slacking off lately. We need a sweep right here. I'm not going for, you know, I've been that conservative Red Sox fan. As long as we can win two of the next one, uh, two of the next three or whatever. Against the Royals, I kind of want to just, I expect them to win all those games because they should be like, we got to pick up the slack. And then you got the Rays, which is going to be a big series. Then you got the Rangers, who I think are an absolute joke, especially their pitching. Then you got the Orioles. Then you got the Twins, who have played pretty well this year. Then you got the Blue Jays. Then you got the White Sox, who are about where you are right now. And then you got the Yankees. And, they, and then the Blue Jays. All right, tired. You get the point. But after this, I don't know how tough their schedule is. It's it's an easy opponent, tough opponent, easy, you know, average opponent, tough. It kind of just switches off. And you need to take advantage of these easy opponents. Please take advantage of these easy opponents and catch up in the standings and gather some momentum and then win when it matters. I want you to beat these easy opponents, gain up confidence and momentum, and then It'll transfer over into these, hopefully transfer over into these tougher games like this Yankee series or an Astros series. You know, you get my point. So, yeah, that's today's episode. Again, sorry for no friendly wagers. Even if we did a friendly wager say that we literally no questions because by the time we did it, the Red Sox game will be over. No NHL, no NFL, no NBA. There's no p- real PGA questions to answer. I mean, maybe I can muster one or two. There's nothing. No uh, college football, basketball, there's literally nothing more to answer, really. Maybe other MLB, it'd just be stupid. But tomorrow, assuming we do a friendly wager, finally, since, like, Tuesday, Colin comes back, we'll answer our questions from back Tuesday, and then we'll be able to do questions on the Raptors versus Warriors series and Blues versus Bruins game, or both their games. Uh, game three for the Bruins will lose. Game two for the Raptors and Warriors. That'll be a big episode, uh, a big friendly wager. I think we'll have more than 10 questions, maybe even like more than 12, honestly. Might swip, slip in a Red Sox question or two in there, too. So, yeah, uh, that's today's episode. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, Calling on the Anchor Mobile app. Uh, uh, Anchor Mobile app, again, type in after the buzzer sports talk, send in a voice message. Uh, you can basically just chat with me about something you disagree with or you want me to do for an episode or you just want to talk about something, get a thought out there. That's completely fine. It's a very cool tool. Uh, fun to hear yourself on the episode. You don't even have to reveal your real name. You can do a fake one if you want. I really don't care. Just keep it appropriate. And then uh, go also go follow my Instagram after the buzzer sports talk. That's at after the buzzer sports talk, all lowercase, no spaces. So, yes, uh, thank you guys for listening, and I hope to see you next time.